well, if God wants us to have a baby, we're going to have a baby. And a week later, I was at my mom's house and I woke up and saw Jesus at the foot of my bed. And he looked at me and he said, you're going to be a mom. Many millennia ago, at the peak of Mount Hermon in the Golan Heights, a group of divine beings known as the Watchers, or Sons of God, descended in an act of rebellion against their king, Yahweh. By teaching them the secret knowledge of the cosmos, they sought to wrestle dominion of the earth away from humanity. They bore children with them, and their offspring were both human and divine. These giants are the demigods of old, and the events that transpired would forever alter the course of human history. At Camp Hermon, we discuss the oddities of the ancient world and their lingering impact on our world today. Welcome. Hey campers, Tori and I are back for another exciting episode, and we have Aaron Gamgee coming back on tonight. And you guys will recognize that name if you listened to all of the episode that we did with Vicki Joy Anderson, where we talk about sleep paralysis. Aaron came in and we talked a little bit about her story, but we wanted to have her back on and do a deep dive into her story. Um, but Tori, before we talk to Aaron, I kind of wanted to just thank everybody that has been signing up and buying merch like these past like few weeks. Do it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> thank you guys. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to say thank you guys. Like me and Tori and, you know, Dr. Judd is a part of Camp Herman. He is our scholar in residence. Uh, he's got a lot going on right now. So, you know, if you don't see him for a little bit, don't worry. He's still with us. He's our scholar in residence. His job primarily is to make sure that we kind of stay on the straight and narrow and don't get too weird. Keep us weird in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Weird with a purpose, I guess. But yeah, so just thank you so much, guys. Like, So Tori and I, we started this podcast because we're just, we're curious. Very curious. Yeah. <laughs> you seem curious. I'm curious. We're both seem to be neurodivergent, scatterbrain, ADHD, like tinfoil hat wearing people. What was the thing I sent you? It was like, I tried looking up alternative treatments to ADHD, and, but ended up learning about ancient Mesopotamia. It's basically that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Dr. Judd knows a lot about ancient Mesopotamia. That's why that was extra funny when you sent me that. But so we're just on this journey of exploring the weird stuff. And since we've gotten exposed to Dr. Heiser's work and Dr. Judd's work with the Divine Council worldview and everything that that kind of encompasses that I call the DCW or we call the DCW universe. So we're just looking at all this weird stuff through that lens. We just really appreciate you guys coming along on this journey with us. That's just super cool. We really appreciate your support and your friendship. Um, we love getting messages from you guys. And it's super cool seeing orders come through for hoodies and stuff. So anyway, it just, it means a lot to us. <laughs> yeah. We're just super stoked. It's a, it's a really awesome community in general. Like there's a lot of different like podcasts and communities that are kind of fit within the DCW universe. So we're just super stoked to be a part of that. And 
um, we're really stoked about the community that, that we're kind of, I think a part of, like, I don't, I don't look at us, Tori, as like, we have fans or we're like, I don't know, like, this is our thing. Like, I just look at us as being a part of the community. For sure. Yeah. We're not even like reinventing the wheel here. Like, you know, or yeah, we didn't start the fire. Like <laughs> this community exists. We're kind of just trying to tap into like, right. maybe we're having some conversations that, that aren't being had at you know, another podcast or something, or, or maybe they already are. I don't even know. I mean, we just wanted to talk about this stuff. We love getting to know you guys and we're just carving out like a little corner where we can talk about the weird stuff. Like you said, intentionally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're just like two friends talking about weird stuff with other friends and trying to bring it back to God every time. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's a lot of like, there can be a lot of like weirdness with a lot of these topics and what we don't want to happen is for like fear and anxiety and the enemy essentially to like creep in through those those like channels and those conversations and things like we want to show like, yo, we win. You know what I'm saying? Like as Christians, as believers in Christ, like like we are ambassadors for Christ. Like we are we we get to like join in being the conquering hero and king through our relationship with Jesus. All right. So I'm done. Like I'll get down off of my soapbox and we will introduce Aaron. Aaron, thank you so much for coming back on. I love your soapbox, by the way. I think it's amazing. And I think you guys do things differently and you always bring it back to God. So it's super refreshing. I love it. I'm stoked about my hoodie that should be coming soon. And yeah, I think you guys are doing incredible. So you've come a long way in a very short time. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we we appreciate your encouragement and support. Your hoodie is on the way. Um, <laughs> I can find the tracking number for you later. But Aaron, we want to hear more about your story. You told us just a small part of it when we were when we had you on with who we have dubbed Doctor Vicky Joy Anderson, and we did give her an honorary doctorate from Camp Hermon University. We want to hear more about your story. You had messaged me all these like voice messages one day and I'm just like, I'm driving and I'm listening to them and I'm just like, we have to talk about this. So I just kind of want to let you introduce yourself and you take us where you want to take us and you start in your story and your journey where, where you'd like to start, if that's okay. That sounds good. And then feel free to interrupt me anytime. If I go on a tangent or something and you're like, I got to ask her something, just feel free. Absolutely. We've got notes. Good. <laughs> That's awesome. You'll keep me on track. That'll be good. I'm impressed that you went back and listened to the messages too. That's good. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that we didn't miss anything. What I had been doing that night was um, I was listening to a couple of your episodes on demons and just spiritual warfare. And I feel like people don't talk about it enough. So I was just really appreciative for it. And I had been struggling more with issues then. And I just felt like I could talk to you and I wasn't messaging you so that I could come on your show at all. That wasn't even on my wavelength. So then when you said that, I just felt like, okay, God is calling me to share my story and that I feel like this could help people. And so that's why I said yes. So I'm excited to be here. Just a little about me. I am a mom of three kids. I have two boys who are seven and five. My daughter is two. I 
technically I've got my doctorate. So I know you love having doctors on this show. I've got my doctorate in physical therapy and I work as a physical therapist four days a week and I treat pretty much anything that you can treat, but I have a special interest in pelvic health therapy. So I actually do work with a lot of women who are trauma survivors, people that were sexually assaulted and stuff at a young age. I help a lot of people with uh, pelvic pain, chronic pelvic issues. And because of what I do, I feel like it's like a ministry. I feel like I'm called to be there. I'd love to be home full-time with my kids, but thankfully my husband, who's an Iraq veteran, is able to be home with our kiddos. We homeschool, we homestead, can our own food. We got a bunch of chickens and a bunch of land and we're just living a really beautiful life. But obviously I'm a carnal hot mess as well and nothing is perfect either. So I don't want it to come across like I am. But I think of my job like a ministry and I know that the Holy Spirit works through me in my job because I'm able to help so many people who struggle, whether they're trauma survivors and just in my setting where I spend 45 to 60 minutes with people, I get to really get to know people on a deep level. I like going deep and having deep conversations with people. And that's 90% of the battle when it comes to healing even a condition in your body. So that's just a little bit about my background Um, I grew up in a really small town and basically I've had vivid, I've had vivid dreams my whole life. I've had a lot of lucid dreams, dreams where I'm flying a lot of nightmares. All of this started at a young age, but what's interesting is I realized that what I can recall is more of it started when we moved into the house that my great grandpa built. He actually did work for a Freemason. I don't know if he was a Freemason, but we lived, grew up and my parents still live in this brick house, which back in those days, nobody really had a brick house and it's a pretty nice house for, you know, back in those days. So I'm thinking there could be a Freemasonry component in my bloodline. Growing up, I would have a lot of nightmares. And once a year, I would dream about Michael Myers chasing me through my town. And it was like this very lucid dream and very scary. And it would come once a year, probably like clockwork. Anyway, I feel like I had a pretty good upbringing, but I feel like my firm foundation was basically cracked probably when I went to middle school and got into the seventh grade where we were kind of in with a big high school group. (laughs) Yeah. You had mentioned the house to me in those messages and you mentioned the symbol. Can you describe like where in the house was the symbol? Like how big was it and what did it look like? So basically... The symbol would be in what is now the back porch overlooking the lake at our house. But back in those days, it would have been the front entrance into the home. And so it's right on the floor when you walk in and it's like kind of the size of a small tile and it looks like a swastika, but it's not. It's different. I could definitely send you a picture. I'd actually be curious if Dr. Judd knows because I remember talking about World War II and then asking my parents about it. My dad was adamantly like that. It's not a swastika. And it, it isn't. When you look at it, you can see it's different. But I wonder for wonder if it could be something like theosophical from the theosophical, you know, theosophical society or if it's just some kind of ancient Hindu symbol or something. I haven't been quite able to figure it out because of the different angles that it's at, but it essentially looks similar to a swastika, but different, if that makes sense. So I could take a picture. I'm at my house tonight, at my parents' house. So I'll send you a picture once we get done recording. Might provide some insight. Yeah, that'd be super interesting to see for sure. So I think there definitely could be a component there. And uh, anyway, growing up, 
I did play with the Ouija board once. I was in the eighth grade. I was at a friend's house. She wanted to play with it. And I said, yes, because I was always one of those people where I was just open to whatever. And we did play with it. And I remember it moving, but I don't remember. I remember we were both really freaked out because we knew that neither of us were moving it, but I don't remember anything particular that it told us. I don't remember any particular warfare happening around it, but I also think I was young and dumb and kind of just going through life, you know, living my best life now, because the way that Satan attacks us is to get us to focus on ourselves and not to focus on God. And I think a lot of us kind of go astray when we're in middle school, high school. So there were probably ways that doors could have been opened in my life. Like for instance, premarital sex and drinking. I wasn't a big drinker, but I definitely drank several times in high school. I wasn't a big partier, but I do feel like alcohol brings those spirits in. I don't drink at all anymore. I don't enjoy it. I might have a sip like if my husband's drinking a beer. Oh, I want to try the taste of that, but it's not to actually get drunk or get a buzz because I don't like that altered state of consciousness feel because I've made really stupid decisions drinking. And usually I've sinned drinking. I sneaked out on my sister once drinking and the things that I said were demonic. It was not something that was in my subconscious. So I really think that it's a tool of the enemy and I'm not condemning people who drink at all. Just for me, we have alcoholism in the family. I don't think that I was meant to get drunk or anything like that. Cause like I said, I just opened up my door to life to sin when I did that sort of thing. So the sleep paralysis stuff didn't start for me until later in life, but my whole life I've had really, really wacky, vivid dreams and lucid dreams and dreams where I'm teaching myself to fly or I'm trying to escape from entities, dreams where there's battles, violence, definitely the incubus type dreams and that sort of thing. Just freaky AI takeover dreams and end of the world type dreams too. And I wouldn't say that they're prophetic or anything, but it's interesting looking back on a dream journal because I used to record my dreams. And when I told you guys about that smoke-like entity that I felt like it was attached to me, I dreamed on December 27th of 2021 that this is going to blow your mind, but Apparently, I had something that the globalists wanted, and I took it from them. And in the dream, President Trump was chasing after me and very evil and wanted this thing, which is kind of wild. And I was hiding in my home, in my room, and through the window, this cloud came in through the window and entered in through my mouth. And in the dream, I was trying to spit it out. And I just find it fascinating that like a year and a half later, I saw the smoke and then my friend Sarah was messaging me about, hey, I see you in my dreams and there's this smoke attached to you. It's just very interesting looking back on it to see that I kind of dreamed about it, just didn't remember it until I looked at my dream journal. Kind of crazy. I grew up Catholic. So from like kindergarten through sixth grade, I went to a Catholic school. And as much as there's a lot of things I don't agree with in the Catholic faith, and I could get into that, but I don't want to bash other people or religions because I have family members who are strong Catholics and who actually love and know Jesus. Like my sister is a hospice nurse and you guys will think this is pretty cool too, but she is there to help people die. And death is a lot like birth in many ways. Right. And she is such a blessing to the patients that she is with. And when somebody passes away, those people will actually visit her in her sleep. She will know the next day that they've died because she will see them in her dreams that night. And she also says that when somebody passes away, there's cardinals around the house, there's mourning doves, there's a lot of 
really interesting things that happen spiritually. And, um, I find that interesting. A lot of, so anyway, a lot of my good friends are Catholic. And even though I'm not a practicing Catholic, I just don't agree with a lot of the things in the Catholic faith. I do think a lot of Catholics truly love Jesus. So I do think I had a firm foundation in many ways. All those Bible songs really stuck with me and gave me hope throughout the years. And there's a lot of good things that came out of it, but all of the rituals and the religiosity that can be associated with that was something that I just really fleed from, especially in my college years. So when I went to college, I didn't want anything to do with religion. I never really understood who Jesus was. And I never liked that Jesus was on the cross in the Catholic church. I didn't like having to stare at that. It's like he conquered that. He was on that for less than a day. Why are we staring at that? I mean, I, I it, like it pains me to think of what he went through, but I want to think of what he did for us. He resurrected, you know, he there's, it's just, there's so many things that I don't agree with there, but anyway, so I kind of ran from the faith when I was in my college years. And what's really interesting and Dr. Judd, I wish you was here for this, but in 2009, when I was traveling Southeast Asia, and I'll tell you a little bit about my God story in Thailand and how he saved me from people trying to take me. But one of the books that I was reading, have either of you heard of Tom Robbins? I don't think so. doesn't ring a bell. Okay, so he's totally an occult writer. Looking back on it, you can tell by looking at his book covers, but I was reading his books when I was in college, and I didn't really know what I believed in. I thought that religion was just used to control people, and he's very occult in his books. One of the main books that I was reading is called Jitterbug Perfume, and it's literally about Pan, and... Um, he's one of the main characters in the book. He's painted as a pungent goat God in the book. And he's basically slowly losing his godly powers when he comes across Christians. And in the book, the main characters are trying to take Pan into the new world. And in the end of the book, they go through these astral planes and get separated and all of this stuff. But looking at that and thinking about my mindset, this kind of a cult new age mindset that I had in my 20s, you have to hear these blasphemous quotes that I wrote down that I was reading and associating with. So one of them said, we are our own dragons as well as our own heroes, and we have to rescue ourselves from ourselves. What do you think about that? Sounds very like popular theology. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yes, the kind of you, you are your own God sort of thing. Yeah. The, the new age is just so pervasive now. I mean, I see a lot. So like maybe not dragon, but like your, your shadow side or your shadow self or something like people talk about that too. Yeah. So it's like being your own God, but you're also your own like evil shadow person, you know? So yeah. Right. Yeah. And then two other ones, which are horrible is she needed help, but God was in a meeting whenever she rang. And we all know the meeting line with God is open 24 seven, right? We all know that. You might not feel that depending on what's going on in life, but there's that. And then the other one said, and I quote, I don't want salvation. I want life, all of life, the miserable as well as the superb. Okay. So now we're just saying we don't want salvation. And that's what I was reading. It's just crazy looking back on it that I didn't recognize what was in my hands. I think a lot of people delve into the occult and they don't really even realize it. I had no idea, which is crazy. So you can say I was definitely not spirit filled or born again when I was traveling the world. And when I was in Thailand, I did some backpacking my senior year in college. And that's when I spent time in Thailand and was reading these occult books and that sort of thing. Um, 
And I did have a pretty good God experience in Thailand, but of course you sort of run from these experiences. I actually had two men that tried to take me when I was there. I had separated from the people that I was traveling with and wanted to surprise them. And I ended up renting this motorbike and was going up the mountains to surprise my friends. I stopped for gas, attached it to the back of my motorbike, but I am dumb and I had no idea how long the gas would last me. So I pulled over at one point and asked this Thai man for help. Like, Hey, can you tell me where I could pick up more gas? He told me to follow him. And then at one point I stopped at a rest stop with him. And I had this really icky feeling like take your keys. And I had gone to the bathroom and came out and there were now two men standing there and they were pointing up into the mountains and saying, you come to my camp, you come to my camp. And I said, no, I took off on the motorbike and they started chasing me and sandwiching me between their bikes as I'm crawling up, you know, climbing up these mountainous hills. And I basically knew that when I got to a certain checkpoint, that I would be safe because of it's kind of a, I don't know that I would call it a military checkpoint, but it's a checkpoint with armed guards and they only stop you if you're actually Thai and ask for papers and stuff. But if you're a tourist, you don't get stopped. And when I got to that checkpoint, I got stopped and this older Thai gentleman was pleading with the machine gun dude for him to basically allow me to go to this man's camp. And I audibly heard the voice of God say, go. It was like a snap in my ear, very authoritative go. And I took off as fast as I could. And I got away from these men. And it's just crazy because God, I I just want to share the story because God cared about me, even though I clearly didn't care about him. Like I was in the occult new age kind of stuff at that time. I wasn't really thinking of God unless I lost something and said, oh God, I'll go to church if you help me find this or whatever. Just all those like superficial type prayers. But he really rescued me. And I feel like I just wasn't aware of it at the time, but looking back on it, I can hear it just loud and clear. Um, I think I told you guys that things got really crazy for me in 2012. And that was when I was back in Australia for a physical therapy internship there. And then I believe I was cursed by a witch. So I don't know if you felt like that story was clear or if you want me to explain any more of it, but that's when things got really crazy for me with sleep paralysis attacks. Yeah, I would love, I mean, if you just want to give us some more details or, you know, for anyone who didn't hear the last episode. Yeah. So basically, what about you, Chris? You good? Any questions? No. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would love to hear like how you ended up there. Cause that's, that was even interesting to me, like how you ended up at that house and just all everything that went on there for sure. Yeah. So obviously I'm, I'm American, right? So it's like, oh, she's doing all this overseas travel, but My last year of physical therapy school, I got the opportunity to do an internship overseas in Australia. And I had traveled there on three other occasions, backpacking or studying abroad earlier in life. And so I was ready to go back because I had so many friends there, but not in the area I was going to. So it was my first time going to Newcastle, whereas before I was mostly in the Brisbane Sunshine Coast area when I was studying abroad. I studied abroad in 2007. In 2009, I traveled the world. And that was when I had that experience with those men in Thailand who tried to take me. I went on a trip to New Zealand, Australia, and Thailand at that time. So I was there in 2007. I backpacked. And then back in 2009, it was just pure backpacking, just joy, meeting new people and that sort of thing. And then 2012 was for work, but I had never been to Newcastle. And so I found these people to live with on Australia's version of Craigslist. 
and they seemed a little quirky. They said they had just bought the house. It's really interesting going back and looking at some of the message exchanges between myself and the gentleman who was like a couple years older than me who bought the house. Cause I think they were kind of newly into that house before I moved in. So I don't know who lived in there before, but people that looked at the house said it looked haunted. It did look dark. There was kind of, you had to kind of go down to get into it too. You know, it wasn't like a ranch style where you go up to go into it. It just looked dark. And the room that I was living in or staying in the majority of the time looked a little like Harry Potter's closet, maybe a little bigger than that. There was a window, but there were like ants crawling, you know, up the windows and in the room and it just felt really dark. And the couple was really into dark things. They never outright told me that they were into witchcraft, but the profile picture was them dressed up as vampires. And they were really into the True Blood series. And they used to always talk to me about how they wanted to get me drunk. Like they couldn't wait to get me drunk. And I don't think I ever drank with them, but they would just say really, oh, we can't wait to get you drunk. And they didn't really want me to have other friends besides them. They were really controlling. So if I put something on social media and it wasn't a shout out to them, they were really strange, just kind of possessive in a way, I will say. And so one night I had a dream of the girl who I was living with. Her name was Laws, which is a weird name. And what's really funny is I blocked that name out. I had to look back on it to remember her name. I just think that's really interesting. Like my heart is kind of pounding even saying her name. But I had a dream where I saw her and she said, don't blow her life candle out. And then she went like, and I literally saw her blow this candle out. And then in real time, I was in my bed and there was an entity directly on top of me. So in the other episode with Vicky, I don't know if I made that clear, but this entity was blonde. He sort of looked like the villain from Blade Runner, the old Wesley Snipe Blade Runner film and not the same thing, but that's all I can describe him like, like that kind of leather outfit look with the bright blonde hair and menacing eyes. And he just looked at me with this horrible smirk on his face and lowered himself on top of me. And then he disappeared. And then I started feeling things crawling up and down my body at night. And every night I would have sleep paralysis attacks where I would feel like I was paralyzed and I would try to scream out, but I wasn't calling on the name of Jesus because I didn't know to do that. I was backslid at the time and I had committed a sin right before going to Australia. So I feel like it could have opened me up to all of this too. I do feel like sin is kind of an open door for this stuff to creep in. And so basically for months and months, I was dealing with this on an every night basis. I eventually had to sleep with the lights on. I definitely noticed a glitch in the matrix where I would see this black cat kind of like from the matrix movies, you know, when Neo notices the glitch, I saw that a couple of times it would feel like an entity was sitting on my chest and I was just so afraid during the day I felt heavy. I almost felt like a vibration in my heart is the best way to describe it. I just didn't I didn't feel like I was possessed necessarily, but I didn't feel like myself. Like it literally felt like something attached itself to me, to my mother's credit, who, you know, and to my husband's credit, because we were dating at this time and he could have easily said, you're crazy. I don't want to be with you. (laughs) He was really supportive, but he didn't have a firm foundation either. Neither of us were believers really when we got together. But my mom said right away, that's a demon and you need to rebuke it in Jesus name. So eventually I did that. And even with probably the little faith that I had, even though I wasn't born again or spirit filled, I was able to get it to go. But it took it took a lot to get it out because you're tongue tied and you can't get the words out to even rebuke these things. 
and it still came back. Like, it's almost like from what I've been learning is if you have a demonic entity attached to you, it's more, it's more than likely more than one kind of like Legion in the Bible. Like you might get one out, but there's still others attached. There's kind of the strong men and there could be other things attached to you. So I don't know if it was the same demon kind of trying to come back. Like, you know how they say in the Bible, you could cast something out and then it may come back and your house is swept, but it's going to bring something in seven times stronger. I don't know if that was happening, but I for years had issues with this. And I don't think I told this story to anyone other than my husband and my mom and maybe my sister for about 10 years because A, I was ashamed to talk about it and B, I didn't want to bring it back by talking about it. So I just really didn't tell anyone. But when my husband and I first got married, I would have these sleep paralysis attacks quite a bit and he'd have to in his sleep, like shove me awake, like, come on, wake up, you're annoying, <laughs> you know? But he would wake me up from these things. But what's very interesting is since he got baptized with me in February of 2022, when I'm sleeping with my husband, I don't have issues. But before that I did. So don't you find that kind of interesting? I want to hear a little more about the blonde guy. Was that your first incident like that? Yeah, because growing up, I would have vivid dreams and nightmares, but I've never, and actually growing up, I think that I was dealing with, like, I'd wake up at 3am and think that I saw the night hag in my room or the hat man. I do remember that, but I never, ever saw something so clearly. Like I felt a presence maybe growing up. But this was the first time that I clearly saw something on top of me. And the dream was so vivid when she said, don't blow her life candle out. And I have no idea what that means. Like I mentioned before, I don't know if it's like a witchcraft curse or something, but he was very clearly this handsome blonde man. And he had dark leather type clothing on. He was right on top of me. His face was right on top of mine. And he just slowly with this sinister kind of smirk lowered himself onto me. And then that's when I started feeling this, almost like this pressure of something pressing against me, crawling. I would feel things crawling up my legs, all of that. I did a quick search and there's, there's candle magic. I couldn't find anything about a life candle. So you're having this dream. She says, don't blow her life candle out. She blows it out. And then you wake up to see this guy hovering over you. Yeah. I, it was like I woke up in real time in that little creepy Harry Potter room in my bed, which I'm pretty sure was on the floor. Like it wasn't an actual bed. It was like a mattress on the floor. And then with that man on top of me, I didn't see him standing at all. He was he was right on top of me. It was like I woke up and my eyes went open and then I saw him like right here in front of my face. Was he like the size of a normal person? I wouldn't say he was a giant or anything. I couldn't tell you how tall he was, you know, like I'm about five, seven or so. So I couldn't tell you because I didn't look down at his feet, but I could see his face and then his upper features, uh, probably from like waist up with this leather type kind of tighter clothing, almost like 80s style, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but super creepy. It was extremely creepy. In fact, I, I did not look up Blade, the villain from Blade Runner for probably, it was like 
you know, I think in 2022 where I was like, okay, I'm going to look up that character and see if it's the exact same. And it's not, it's not the same guy from the movie, but that's the best way that I can describe what he looked like. It was not like anybody I'd ever seen before or a familiar spirit. It wasn't an incubus spirit that I'm aware of, but I have dealt with that. And what's actually really interesting is not to get on another tangent, but I tracked my dreams from like 2020 to maybe the end of 2021 or 22, I'd have to look at my dream journal again. So I hadn't looked at it since I wrote it down, but in a lot of my dreams, my husband will appear to me in my dreams and we will have intercourse. But looking back on that, I'm like, that's not my husband. That is a marriage covenant covenant or some kind of sexual covenant with an entity who's disguising themselves as my husband. My husband doesn't dream at all. I know he doesn't join me in the astral plane or anything, but I think that's one way that they have creeped in as I have done that sort of thing in my dream with a familiar spirit that looks like my husband on a lot of occasions. It's very interesting. So you were frozen there. He's hovering over you. He's pressing into you. Can you estimate like how long and what stopped it as far as you know, like how long did it happen? I feel like time kind of stood still. I don't think he was there for an exorbitant long time. I just remember him hovering probably for about 10 seconds over me, but he looked like a full physical entity. He didn't look like a spiritual. It wasn't like he was see-through or anything. It almost looked like a real person, but you could sense that it was supernatural. And then as soon as he lowered himself onto me, he disappeared, which makes me think, was this a demon that actually entered me? Because I did sin before this. I was living in sin and it was something that I knew was wrong. And I don't think that I had repented properly. And then who knows what happened or what was going on or what curses were attached to this this house or these people. But then it was after that where I would feel these creepy crawly sensations, pressing, being unable to scream when all of this was happening to me. It happened for months. And I also had a lot of pain in my back during that time too, which was, I just thought was poor posture or poor sleep related. But looking back on it, it was probably something associated with like a demonic entity inside of me. I mean, like I said, I never felt like I was possessed, but I do think this thing was inside my body. I really do. Have you ever seen that blonde, good looking? You ever seen that again? I think so. Now that you say that it's kind of creepy to think about, but sometime over the last six months, I had a dream out about a blonde entity who was Satan, not kidding. And in the dream, I felt really sorry for this entity. Like at first I was thinking you're really evil. And then in the dream, I ended up feeling sorry for him, like empathizing with this entity, which I think is some sort of manipulation occurring in the astral. And I would have never thought that it was the same until you mentioned that. So, but nothing clear. It was something that was happening in a dream state, not in real time. Like it happened the first time. But I remember thinking that it was Satan. So I can't tell you that it was Satan. I don't know for sure. But I did have a similar dream sometime in the last six months. Kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. Meanwhile, at Camp Herman... Yay, Chris and Herman are here. Bring out the goodies because I'm making s'mores. Hey guys. Chris, where's Herman? Oh yeah, Herman's on strike. Oh no, why? 
Because we can't pay him, so he can't feed his baby Bigfoots. He's left to join the corporate cryptid conglomerate, Big Bigfoot. Oh, that's horrible. How can we get him back? I asked Dr. Judd to develop a plan. He's back in his study working on that as we speak. Until then, what do you think we should do? Dr. Judd said that money is required for basic living, and a partner system would work if we build weekly podcasts, documentaries, soap discounts, bonus shows, all designed to educate and prepare those who crave truth. Maybe Dr. Judd will include a word of the day to better construct vocabularies. Our Lord knows our schools aren't doing that. Tori, we are but three humans humbly following Jesus Christ. How can we accomplish so much on our own? My dear sweet innocent Chris, Dr. Judd already hired two world-class editors to help build the library. With their monumental efforts, handsome demeanor, peerless timing and audio and visual editing technique, and most importantly, creative writing, I know that we will take a huge bite out of Big Bigfoot and their corporate stranglehold on the cryptid community. I hope this works. I lent Herman both of my books, Panaeus, Religion in the Ancient City of Pan, and Interview with the Giant by Dr. Judd. They're two of my favorites. If we build it, the people will come, and Herman will return. Chris, would you like a treat? I know I'd like some more. (laughs) (laughs) So, Aaron, I have in my notes here, um, I wanted to ask you about the red hat man. Yeah. So let's let's fast forward a bit and I'm going to tell you a God story and then I'm going to tell you about the red hat man, because what happened was. After 2012, you know, I got back to the United States. I graduated from physical therapy school and I moved and eventually we moved back to kind of the town and stuff where we live in. But I came to know Jesus in 2015 after several miscarriages. My husband and I got pregnant on our honeymoon, miscarried, and then I got pregnant like three months later, miscarried. And in mid-January of 2015, we decided we were done having children because It was just too painful to go through that miscarriage. But I also realized that this is when I had my transformational world shaking encounter with Jesus, because I realized what's missing in my life is God. All along, I've been traveling the world and seeing these beautiful sights. And I climbed Mount Doom from Lord of the Rings in real life and all these cool things. I had all these cool experiences, skydiving, you know, all these crazy experiences, but something was always missing and it was God. And so I repented of all of my sins. And all of my life, I was carrying all this guilt with me, what some people would call Catholic guilt in a way, you know, if you grew up with that. And I finally was like, forgave myself and asked Jesus to forgive me and really had this encounter. And then my husband and I had fun right after this miscarriage. So I miscarried the end of January. My husband and I had intercourse on February 1st and he looked at me afterwards and it just felt like this holy marriage union, you know, when it was happening. And my husband looked at me afterwards and he's like, should we have done that? And I said, well, if God wants us to have a baby, we're going to have a baby. And a week later, I was at my mom's house and I woke up and saw Jesus at the foot of my bed. And he looked at me and he said, you're going to be a mom. And I called my husband and said, well, we're having sex tonight. Sorry for the explicit language. because (laughs) I saw Jesus and he says I'm going to be a mom. And I don't know what that means. But basically, we had had like this holy marriage union on February 1st and February 8th, I found out I was pregnant on the 19th. And when they staged the ultrasound, I knew I would be 
you know, later on when they staged the ultrasound, I was like, well, I'm either eight or nine weeks along. Did Jesus tell me when I was pregnant or was it that, was he telling me to get busy? And I found out I was nine weeks along and I, I had that baby in my belly when Jesus told me I was going to be a mom. So that was my really transformational encounter with Jesus back in 2015. And my son, Isaac, who I had at that time is very close with the Lord. He sees into the spiritual realm. He sees good and he sees bad. And I could tell you about some of his experiences too, but if we want to fast forward to the hat man, yeah. (laughs) You can't go that fast over. I woke up and Jesus was at the foot of my bed. Describe that experience. What, what were you like? How did you feel And then what did you see as far as like, what did he look like? Describe that in great detail, please. Okay. So I was actually the house that I'm in right now is my parents' house. And I was in my parents' house sleeping in my sister's room because I always liked sleeping in her room better and um, she wasn't home. And so I had woken up and there was light streaming through the window, you know, how it would in the wee hours of the morning type thing. And I saw... um, I, it was interesting because my parents have a picture of Jesus kind of sitting in his white robes and looking over the lake in the house. And I didn't see him clearly. Like I can't say, Oh my gosh, he had these beautiful green eyes and he looked deep into my soul. And this is what he looked like. It honestly was a little blurry. That's the best way that I can describe it is I knew it was Jesus. There was all this radiating light coming off of him and I could see his white robe. He had some kind of a like sash on, I think, but I'm not clear. And I couldn't tell you what color it is and just brown hair, but I couldn't see his face clearly looking back on it. When I look back on it now, now at the time, would I have said, Oh, he had these, you know, beautiful, whatever. So anyway, that's what I remember is almost like a blurry Jesus in a way, looking at me saying, you're going to be a mom, but I just felt full of warmth and love and just this feeling of knowing that what he was telling me was true is just this deep love that penetrated my soul is the best way that I could describe it. And I knew it was Jesus. And I also knew that I could trust him because I had so much trauma from the miscarriages that every, you know, when I would have these pregnancies, it's like, well, what's going to happen? And there's so much fear. And I remember going to my OB and he kept saying, well, when you get to 19 weeks or when you get to 20 weeks, everything will be okay. And I finally looked at it and I'm like, do you believe in God? Jesus told me I'm going to be a mom. If Jesus takes the time to tell me I'm going to be a mom, I'm going to be a mom. I can trust him. And just telling you about it now, I get those goosebumps still. And normally when I tell the story, I get that just feeling of the Holy Spirit filling me. So that's the best way that I can describe it. I wish that I saw in my memory him clearly it was just a knowing that it was him and that was all he said you're going to be a mom as far as like what you're describing to me makes sense as far as the the beaming light and not being able to see uh, a ton of detail and then really I was wanting to know how you felt and I I suspected that that's what you would feel that love I mean we're talking about like the embodiment of love like he is love he is light he is love um 
so that makes complete sense to me. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I feel like you feel it through every fiber of your being, like every cell in your body is dancing for joy. And you just, you just know that you can trust him with your whole heart. And also just knowing that you're, I think we talked about this a little bit before, but no matter what you've done, I don't care what you've done. Jesus loves you and he forgives you and he wants the best for you. So just that feeling of pure love. That's awesome. So now if you want to fast forward to the hat, man. (laughs) (laughs) Now you can fast forward to the hat, man. I had to hear just a few more details about your, your encounter with, with the Lord. Yeah. So fast forward now, because I then I just really had a strong relationship with Jesus. And I will say that I got to know Jesus from my mom, too. When we moved back to the area in 2014, she was the one that brought me on Christian retreats that were non-denominational. I got to see and like experience Jesus from a different way and read my Bible and all of that. But anyway, before getting baptized in February of 2022, which I got baptized with my husband that year, spiritual warfare began like crazy the week before I was baptized. So all of my life when this was happening, it's only been, you know, that one, there might've been a, when I sensed a presence in a room or where I thought I saw the hag or whatever, the hat man. And then where I had that experience with the sleep paralysis attack and the blonde man, but oftentimes I was feeling things more than hearing them or seeing them. And so what happened was I woke up at one point in the middle of the night and there was this entity and he was the, it was interesting because from the top up, he was in, he was black and white and his face was black and white. And he looked like a haggard J.R.R. Tolkien is basically what he looked like. But the bottom was almost like a genie, you know, that little swirl, like a genie coming out of a bottle. And then he had an old English cap on kind of similar to like J.R.R. Tolkien would wear. And he was shaking his fist in, in rage and anger at me. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And I watched this thing just whoosh out of the room. And what's really interesting about the red cap is Steve Quayle mentioned it in his book, Little Creatures, but Hugh Miller, who's a paleontologist, actually wrote this random footnote in 1858, where he claimed that he cited these creatures and little red caps who stated they were not of the race of Adam. And it's really funny because it's in a paleontologist book and it's just all matter of fact, like, yep, not of the race of Adam. And it's, it's, it was happening so often people saw these things so often that they would just kind of add it to a paleontologist book. But Vicki Joy in her book, They Only Come, at Net, Come Out at Night also mentioned that in Sardinia, some islanders believe that the creature that wears red hats is actually wearing seven of them and the sleeper will be rewarded if they resist the terror and are able to steal one of the hats. So I don't know if this was the same creature, but when I was digging into this, this was some random information that I found that was interesting. Thankfully it went away right away and I've never seen something like that since, but I also felt somebody punch me from behind, like literally felt my head fly across the pillow. Um, I'm trying to think if that was the same night. I think it was a different night. It was all that week before I got baptized. So I truly believe that a lot of Christians deal with spiritual warfare when they're ready for a breakthrough, that these entities had a hold on my life and they were trying to thwart that or cause fear um, to take a hold of me so that I wouldn't get baptized essentially. So once I got baptized, things got better. Like I basically didn't have issues for a while, but then 
it was probably from February to September where I had no issues. And then September, 2022, that's when Isaac, my seven-year-old, the one who I was pregnant with, with that vision of Jesus, he sees into the spiritual realm. He has actually seen this real bright light in his room. And he said, mom, I know it was an angel. I know it was Michael. And I just know it, mom. And I believe him because he's so spiritually perceptive. He writes little love notes to God all over the house and he just loves Jesus. But he has had dreams where Satan has popped out of the TV in a certain room in the house and done like circles in the room. And then that night in September, when he had this weird, this dream, he said, mom, I could hear all these evil people speaking in my ear and saying terrible things. And he said he couldn't understand them, but that he knew that they were evil and he was just terrified. And so that night I prayed, God, send that demon to me so that I can deal with it. Because when this happens to your children, you just want to go to war for them. And that was when I felt like this dark presence on me, which I think it would be a legion if looking into it, or I don't know if it was your podcast or another one, but they were describing kind of the shadow creatures and certain creatures that are kind of more like legion that you're dealing with. But with this entity, oftentimes what has happened over the years is if I say in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave, they just go. And it takes like one time, but this took several times in saying, I don't want you to ever return. I had to kind of go a little bit deeper to get it to go away. Yeah. And then if you're wondering about shadow people, we can get into that too. I have a lot of questions. I'm wondering why do you think these things seem to be happening more often? Like it seems like more and more people are having experiences like the ones that you're describing. Is it is it a thinning of the veil as as kind of the hour grows grows late? Do you think that's what it is? I think that that could be it. I think the veil is thinning. I think there's a cosmic war going on between good and evil and a cos- po- cosmic chess match is what L.A. Marzulli would call it. So I think that that's a part of it. And then I also think we also have to look back on ourselves and be like, okay, did my pride bring this in? Was it control or bitterness or unforgiveness? Or is, do I have a charged object? Because looking back on it, I had a dream catcher that I had had all my life that was in my room. And I didn't realize it was in this jewelry box. And I also had a patient who painted me this beautiful painting and it said dream on it, but it was of a dream catcher. And you know, when you get a present and you're like, Ooh, that feels like a portal. I think that's a portal, but I'm going to hang it on my wall. Cause it's pretty. I, I think it could be a combination of both. Like spiritual warfare is more prominent and the enemy is really at work to basically cause Christians to live in fear. And a little bit of what Vicki said in the last episode I'm not saying I'm special at all. Like I'm a, I'm, I am a wretch. You know what I mean? But if Satan is at all looking at me or any entities are like, oh, wow, she's leading people to God in her work, or she's really raising up these warrior children. You might be more of a target in some ways. Um, I do think I had a charged object in my house too, besides for the dream catchers. I think I told you a little bit about the salt lamp that I got rid of that I really, really feel was a charged object. I think, and I've talked with a couple of different people that counsel victims of satanic ritual abuse, trauma-based 
mind control victims. And they have told me that many, if not most, if not all of these victims are seers. Okay. I can speak to that. And yeah. Yeah. Speak to that in a second. But, and what it seems like is the reason why they're pit, one of the reasons why, um, the, the enemy's camp is picking them because they know these abilities they have. And the thing about a seer, people that can that can see angels, demons, fallen spirits, all that kind of stuff, it seems to me their role in the kingdom is to encourage believers to say, like, this stuff is real. What we're reading about stories that you're, you're reading about in the scriptures, like, cause not everybody sees and knows that it's real because they've seen it, but we have faith, right? So I believe it, but sometimes we just need encouragement. They're like, Hey, this stuff is real. And so that's their role. Sears role is kind of to let people know, like this stuff is real and to encourage you to continue to fight, continue, you know, press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I think the enemy is trying to like stomp that out, stamp that out by attacking these people and even somehow like using their gifts for his own purpose. So yeah, you can speak to that. I think you're completely right. Honestly. Um, I think those people are targeted and I've always been really authentic and just vulnerable about kind of what's going on. Cause I, I kind of have always wanted to help people through what I'm going through. Cause I feel like somebody can always relate to it. And so I do think people can be a target, especially if you're more verbal and you're more open to talking about God or talking about these experiences, because I think it's important to talk about the good and the evil. Like I am a full spirit born believer and I love God and, you know, I could quote scripture to you night and day, that sort of thing. But I also have seen a lot of evil, but I've also seen God come through um, with that. And what I find is interesting is just how they're ramping it up to have it be more of like these astral vampires or these things that it's more challenging to get them to leave. And I don't feel like it's because I've invited anything into my life. Like I'm not secretly watching porn or anything like that. You know what I mean? But that's another thing too, that they talked about at that out of dark darkness conference is just the fact that so many people open themselves up to that with, with so many things that society says is normal, like, Oh, it's normal to, watch pornography with your husband or, you know, and it just keeps getting more evil and more sinister and so much human trafficking involvement. But what I had thought about when you said with people with SRA abuse is Gregory Reed just did an incredible presentation at the out of darkness conference. And I, do you guys know his story? Um, he's an SRA survivor. He's somebody you should get on the show for sure if you can, but he was drugged and somebody basically grabbed his hand and forced him to stab his friend like he didn't do it of his own volition he was drugged and then after that he was raped um and then he was being used they wanted him to be high up in the kingdom of darkness so apparently why these sra abuse victims why they go through like that raping or that trauma is because it opens you up to having those demons come in and stuff too so just really interesting yeah, it, it it also 
so we all have we all have parts of ourselves we all have different parts kind of different emotions different parts of our personality and in a normal person's brain as it's been explained to me by some of these counselors fern and audrey specifically with discovering mercy who dr michael heiser worked with for years and helping them develop their their spiritual warfare the way they've described it to me is in a in a kind of a normal healthy person's brain we have all these parts just different parts of our personality and things in a normal person's brain there's they're all it's all connected it's all interconnected neural pathways and all that but through trauma it's almost like you can put a barrier between one part and another part and so as a child is developing those neural pathways are developing in the brain connecting all that well if there's trauma there there's going to be a block from from one part to another part so we're not talking about alters we're not talking about alternate personalities here it's different parts there's a block and they told me that each part can can kind of develop its own, um, which seems like a personality, but its own mind, will, and emotions. So they have their own separate memories, and so they're just they're just not connected. Yeah, it's a, a fracturing. It's a fracturing. Yeah, exactly. But they describe it, it's like a block. There's like a literal block because there's not the, there's not pathways interconnecting it like there is in a nor- normal healthy person's brain, um, and a part of it is dehumanizing the enemy wants to dehumanize us when you have someone who has these different parts there's blocked from the trauma they will program through trauma they'll program each different part and they'll do things like Actually, it's so dark. I don't even want to go into the the details of of some of the abuse and things. But basically, they will set things up like, let's say, Aaron, you're 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 in the Amazon. You were you were taken to the Amazon. Just all this kind of crazy stuff. And and so they have these memories of like, oh, I I went to the Amazon and I saw this. And I went to this temple and there was all these sacrifices. Well, they're programming these memories. The memories aren't real, but that's what they're programming. That way, if you remember that and try to tell someone, A, they won't believe you because it's going to be so outlandish that they just won't believe you. But B, if people do believe you, whether it's a counselor or just anyone listening to your story, they're going to get caught up in the story. Instead of focusing on ministering to the person, they're going to get caught up in the story and just kind of running with that. The So that's why some of the sensationalism with these stories from survivors, that's why that can be dangerous. There's some different philosophies on doing memory work with survivors and all that. But I know like with Fern and Audrey, as far as what they've talked to me about, they don't focus on those memories because you, you can't trust them because of the programming. And then you don't want to get caught up in focusing on those memories. You want to focus on the person and getting them to understand the deceptions and how they can bring those, essentially bring those barriers down. And so they can become a whole kind of a whole person again. And through the counseling methods, they actually, you'll develop those neural pathways and get 
connected and that's where you know kind of the healing comes i'm sorry i kind of ran off on a little bit of a, a tangent with that but yeah that world is it's it's very dark oh we were talking about why they choose those people and i think it's because of the the sight that they have the gift that they have and they want to try to to destroy that and so this is why i think it's very important for people, for us to tell our stories. And I think I was messaging you this the other day, the enemy, it's the kingdom of darkness. He wants to keep, he wants us to keep everything in the dark, the good and the bad. He wants us to keep the bad in the dark, because if we keep the bad in the dark and, and for me, like I had, you know, personal sin in my life, pornography for like years that I was like terrified to tell someone about because I had this kind of like, uh, you could describe it as like a religious spirit. I felt like, oh, like I'm a Christian, I'm serving in my church. I'm not supposed to be struggling with this. And that's kind of like a religious spirit. The enemy was ha- has a heyday when, when we have unrepentant sin in our lives and we try to hide it for whatever reason, whether it's fear, shame, embarrassment, the enemy, the enemy has, that's a stronghold. Right. So that's why like repentance is such a powerful tool for spiritual warfare, because when we repent and to repent, the Bible says that confess your sins one to another. God is faithful and just to forgive you. And the reason why we can't just pray to God, like we need to talk to someone is because someone else needs to know it needs to be out in the open. What was done in the darkness is going to be brought to light, whether it's through our confession or at some point, whether we're exposed or it's judgment before God, like it's going to, it's going to come into the light. So we can literally defeat the enemy in our lives by humbling ourselves and confessing, confessing our sin one to another, bring it out and bring, bring it into the light. You know what? I just want to say to Chris that I think it's amazing that you bring up the pornography thing and you are open to talking about that because it's a stronghold and it's not just a stronghold for men. It's a stronghold for women too. I remember a friend of mine from high school who was always like that friend encouraging you to do things you don't want to do saying like, we need to go into a sex store and you need to get a sex, you know, you need to get a toy and you need to do this and you need to watch this video and do this. Like women have those strongholds too, for sure. It's not just men. And I feel like when you, this is the problem with pornography is when you view that stuff, you can't unsee it. I feel like maybe unless you pray to God and just say, God, please wipe those memories away. That's the hard part with something like that is you can't unsee that thing. It changes your brain. It literally changes your brain. And I think so many people are afraid to actually put those sins out there because of fear of judgment. But it's important. I mean, there's so many even like I at one point in my life did view pornography, like I'll be honest about it. And I felt so sick and dirty and twisted and disgusting after and I knew it was a sin. And I thought, well, this is weird. Like, why wouldn't God want me to like have pleasure in and I, but I knew it was wrong and I repented of it. And what's so interesting is in the, I have not like, you know, my husband and I engage in intercourse, like couples should, and it's a holy, wonderful union. But I, what I found with some of these sleep paralysis attacks is I will get wake, woken up in the morning and it's like, something is trying to urge me to do that again. And you almost get to the point where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
I'm going to do that again. But no, I haven't. Once I renounced it, I never went back to that sort of thing. And women struggle with it too. And I just think there's a stigma of saying only men struggle with it. Like I had goosebumps telling you about it. Somebody needs to hear that a woman has seen that stuff too. I can't unsee that. I can't unsee it. And your eyes are the window to the soul. So what did that open up in your life? What stronghold did that open up? It's not a stronghold for me anymore, but I still can't unsee those images that I saw. And I just think society is so messed up for shoving that in our faces. And there's so much that we do. I mean, at a young age, you have people talking about, oh, well, I had sex with him or I did this or I did that. And people, if you don't have that strong foundation and you're not having honest conversations with your children, I meet so many women in my field who they, their parents, they were raised in a really good Christian household, but their parents never talked to them about sex. It was such a taboo topic that now they have, they can't enjoy intercourse with their husband. Everything feels dirty to them and everything feels wrong. And I have to work with them psychologically as well as physically to release tight muscles that they've held in tension all their life. And now they have pain and they can't even have children because sex is so uncomfortable for them because they have almost a stronghold. So it's one of those, like one of those things as a pelvic floor physical therapist, I see people for that. It's like, how do we talk to our, our children about that? I think we need to have honest conversations with them, but also let our children know that sex really is meant to be for marriage and meant to be for a holy union. Um, and we're not supposed to view those things because I do feel like it tarnishes our soul, you know, um, but there has to be kind of a better conversation around it. You can't just not talk about it. I mean, when I was growing up, my dad, who's a lawyer, handed me a piece of paper and said, sign this. It, it's an agreement that you'll never have sex until you're married. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like the conversation. And God bless him. I love my dad. But like, that's not the conversation. That's not where it should have been. I don't think I understood as a kid that like, this really is a holy thing. And we open ourselves up, I think, to those demonic strongholds when we're engaging in intercourse with people that we're not meant to spend the rest of our lives with, too. So there's so many ways that sin can creep in, especially with the society where they normalize it in TV shows and make casual sex sound really great and all of that sort of thing. Like we're all inundated with mind programming and brainwashing and even looking back on my life, not to get on a tangent here, but like, what did Disney do to us? Like, what happened when I was watching The Lion King and it actually said sex before Simba landed in the thorn bushes? Like, what was that programming? Some weird subconscious thing in me where I would have that stronghold in my life or like have that be a part of my life? I don't know. I'm inclined to think yes. Subliminal messaging it's not, I don't think it's everything, but it's just another part of conditioning and programming. It, it's cumulative. It's all cumulative, I think. And so, yeah, that's why it's, it's important that we're careful about like what we're consuming, like what type of like media and things that we're consuming. And I do want to make a point too, that sometimes people can get obsessed with oh, I'm experiencing this negative thing because I did a negative thing. They're trying to make all of these, these connections. And I think it's a good thing that we, we're introspective and we're praying to the Lord, like, Lord, have I sinned? Where have I sinned? Like, reveal my sin to me. And, and you know, I want to, you know, confess that sin, you know, heal all of that. That's, that's important and that's healthy. 
But where it can be unhealthy is if we get obsessed with like, oh, every time something bad happens and it almost becomes like a superstition. Every time something bad happens, you're trying to pinpoint like, is it, you know, like you're talking about, is it a charged object? Did I sin? Did I do this? Did I do that? So I think to have balance there, we have to remember and remind ourselves, yeah, Lord, if there's any sin in my heart, like seek it out, get rid of it. But also we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the principalities and the powers of darkness, the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. And talking with Caleb Green, who has encounters with the Lord, God speaks to him. I mean, it was a fascinating conversation we had with him. What he's described to me, and it was either on the podcast or in private, is that he believes that we're going to start experiencing attacks and it seems like stuff is ramping up like we mentioned earlier and it's not that it's going to be oh because i sinned i opened a door to this but that god is is preparing training and equipping us and more of us for what is going to come you know we talked about that the hour is late the veil is thinning. It seems like we're going to be seeing crazier and crazier things. So we need to be ready. So it's almost like in battle, you've got to train, you know, so you're going to train fighting a weaker enemy if you're weaker. And then as you get stronger, you're going to fight kind of stronger, bigger, bigger enemies. So I think that's one aspect of it too. And so I just think it's important that we're careful. Yes, because we keep ourselves in bondage when we mind screw it. And so what did I do? I've got to close this door. I've got to do this. I've got to pray this prayer. I've got to pray all the way to Adam and I've got to do this. And you can really mind screw it. And Jamie Walden has a really great video out on there or out and it's on YouTube, but he did it recently and it's about spiritual warfare. And he actually was part of a deliverance ministry. So he's seen real deliverance. And he's like, yeah, I believe in deliverance and I'm not knocking any deliverance ministries. I'm going through a free training deliverance training right now. And I think it's really helpful to shut doors that need to be shut and to recognize your sin and repent and renounce and confess and all of those things. But if you're just constantly living in the past and licking your wounds, then you're not going to go anywhere. That's actually something that Dave Dobbenmeyer said at the Out of Darkness conference. He said, stop licking your wounds and stop looking in the rearview mirror. Lies, deception, and fear. Oh my, like we're all so focused on these things. And he said, there is a reason in a car that you have a rearview mirror, rear mirror and a you know, like look at your rear view mirror and look at the sides of it. Look at the windshield. What's bigger. We need to focus on what's in front of us. We don't need to constantly look at our past and focus on what's behind us and live in the past and think of all the horrible things that we did. We need to turn our injuries into scars and move forward with courage because courage is contagious. We don't want to just be living in your sin and though your sins be a scarlet, the Lord will make them as white as snow, which is what is in Isaiah 118. So what Jamie said in his video, do you know your God? Because you will be the mightiest warrior when you do. The enemy wins when you cower in fear and when you're mind screwing things. So, and just um, every denial of your flesh is like an act of spiritual warfare. So maybe a demon didn't make you do it. Maybe you chose to do it. Remember friendship with the world is enmity with God. We can't just be blaming things on demons 24 seven 
too, because spiritual warfare is in the flesh. So we need to dwell, hide and abide in the shelter of the most high God. And yes, authentic repentance will lead to freedom. But you when you repent, you need to believe you're forgiven. You don't need to keep going back to that sin, no matter how bad it was, because you are forgiven. And oftentimes when we focus on these negative experiences, we can reduce Christ and we can elevate ourselves a little bit and we can kind of elevate the enemy. So we need to know that our identity is rooted in Christ alone and that nothing will shake us when we're rooted in Christ. So yeah, anyway, that's my little tangent. <laughs> We've got about five minutes and Tori, you really, you want to know what I really want to hear about from Aaron these last five minutes? I'm dying to know what you want to know. I want to give you two guesses. Are we going to bring back the, who would you, wait, I don't even no, remember what our no. original question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember either. The okay. little people, Tori. Oh, I want to hear about the little people. Talk about the little people. Yes. Okay. Let's please. And how little were they? <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, because we could, you know, we could talk about shadow entities and all of that and casting those out and all of that, but let's not because I feel like a lot of people have had those experiences. But at the what was interesting is I went on that trip to Franklin the end of February, and that was when I discovered that like whatever is going on, it's almost like it's attached to me or following me. It's not in my house. It's not a poltergeist. Something's going on within me um, that is causing things to happen. So some things happened there, but didn't have to do with the little people. It was more of an entity plopping in my bed and realizing I was still dealing with spiritual warfare, right? But I left Franklin feeling so empowered and just knowing that the frequency of fear and the frequency of love is completely different, right? So we need to live in that gratitude and that love and don't allow fear to win. So I was in this really good mindset when I came back. And then of course, I happened to wake up at the witching hour, the Monday of getting back from Franklin. And it was around three in the morning. And I was like, I'm not going back to sleep because bad stuff happens when I go back to sleep at 3am. So I stayed up, I went downstairs, I took a shower, eventually around 6am. I'm like, I'm safe to go to sleep. I'm tired. I'm going back to sleep. So I was laying in my bed and I was on the right side of the bed, but also laying on my right side. And I heard an electrical buzzing sound in my ear and a pop and a pain. It literally felt like something, um, almost like a firecracker went off in my ear, but it hurt. And almost like I was getting stabbed in the ear, but more of that firecracker electrical type feeling in my ear. And so I sat up and that was when I saw these little creatures, these little entities about two to three inches tall, they were on kind of like the bottom part of my leg, and then they scurried off the bed. Now you have to remember that ever since this happened to me in 2012, I've always felt little things crawling all over my body at night. So I guarantee you that I've dealt with this the whole time. I just could never see it. I could only feel it. And I was enraged when I saw them. And I turned from the right side of my bed because they scurried off the bed. So then I couldn't see them. They disappeared, right? So I flipped from where I was laying on my right side and like poking myself out, out of the bed to going to the left side of the bed on my stomach. And I saw them kind of walking slowly towards the closet. And first of all, the first thing I saw was about three inches in height long blonde hair shield on its back with a sword like a sword back here so I guarantee you that's what I felt in my ear it looked like an elf you know like I got the impression that it was an elf 
And then the other creature that I saw, it was like a centaur, but with a pig face. So I saw them walking away, but I was mad. And I said, I'm a child of God. In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. I'm a child of God. I kept saying that. And this little elf walked away towards the closet. It didn't look at me once, kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. And then this, this centaur creature who, again, it was like two to three inches in height, turned and looked at me and snarled at me and it acted like it wanted to go back into the bed. And I think it couldn't, I think there was a barrier there because of renouncing it, but it was like, I'm mad at you, (laughs) you know? And then I turned on the lights and everything was gone, but you're going to ask me more details. What did they look like? They looked like in terms of color, if you've seen the Lord of the Rings, the third movie return of the King, when they go into the caves and they're, they are wanting the dead army to fight for them. The dead army is like this translucent green, you know, they're kind of solid looking. to fulfill your oath. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I summon yeah. you to fulfill your oath. <laughs> that is what they looked like. They were kind of a translucent, but more solid looking, but it was almost like you could see through them a little bit, kind of like in the return of the King. Chris won't get it. Chris doesn't. Chris doesn't even Lord of the Rings. Okay. So he doesn't get it. Just Google yeah, it, Chris. No, I know what you're talking about. I have watched those movies several times. So I get it. I just haven't read the books. Are they, I, I just have a hard time taking them seriously. And I say this, I'm a little person. I mean, relative, like, so I'm not trying to be, you know, disrespectful or whatever, but like, it's just hard for me. Like we talk about this stuff, you know, like dog man or shadow, you know, hat man or whatever. And it's like, okay, scary. Yikes. But then like two inches tall, I'm like, beep, 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 beep. but like, they're, <laughs> they're not good. Right. <laughs> they're bad. I think it was more of the feeling that was scary is because my ear physically hurt. It felt like something happened to my ear. It didn't hurt after the fact, but that's what woke me up. It really hurt. And I could feel like this popping kind of sensation. So I was thinking, well, I only see one weapon here and it's the sword that slung on this back of this elf type creature. So I wonder if it was some kind of just something to kind of jar me or scare me or freak me out. But I feel like Chris might be full of questions too. What are they? Why would the enemy say something so tiny and funny? (laughs) You know, I think because when you don't see this is I love that you said it that way, Tori, because when you don't see them and you feel them, they are freakier than ever. And all this, all this time from 2012 until 2023, I've been feeling them and it feels like little things scurrying all over my body. I feel like that was a gift from the Lord of like, Hey, this is what you've been dealing with because now I'm able to pray against it. And I really haven't had any issues since because I've been praying against it. And at first I felt scared, but then I thought of it and it was the same thing. I'm like, these things really aren't scary. So now I'm going to pray against these things and I know what I'm dealing with. And I feel a lot better about the situation knowing what it is. So it was almost a gift. I, I asked God not to show me the spiritual realm lots of times because I'm thinking, okay, I've seen enough. But this was a gift in a way, you know? Right. Like having like the, the flashlight shined on it. And it's kind of like, okay, that's not like little Polly Pockets that was <laughs> <laughs> with weapons. <laughs> Yeah, they were about like I get bad with my because I'm they were between two and three inches, I would I would say in height and just a really weird experience. I mean, it was definitely spooky. But then after the fact, you can think to yourself like, "Ah, this isn't that scary. I'm not going to elevate you. I'm going to elevate the Lord Jesus Christ, you know? Absolutely.
Okay, so this is a great Lord of the Rings quote where Frodo is looking at Sam and he says, I can't do this, Sam. And Sam says, I know, it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. And then Frodo says, what are we holding on to, Sam? And Sam says that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting fighting. for. Yes! Wow, I'm so inspired right now. (laughs) And I can like hear the da-da-da-da. Shire music. I had goosebumps just saying that. And then, if you want me to pray us out, I have a great prayer for us. Please do. Absolutely. You guys ready? Yeah, please do. We thank you, Lord, that you're raising up an army for battle. I pray our hands would be an instrument to the Lord. Lord, use us. Help to order our steps today. Show us when to open our mouth who to open our mouth to, and anoint our words from the Most High God. Teach us when to speak, when to listen, when to be quiet, when to be loud, and when to be bold. We bind up the spirit of fear and we break every spirit working to keep you on the sidelines. We commission you to graft us into the Lord's army. Lord, your word says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Lord, we thank you for giving us battle armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We know the shield of faith will extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. Help us to keep our armor upon us at all times so we can stand through these fiery trials. Every hindering spirit or sin that has kept us on the sidelines, we pray we will be broken free of that. Give everyone listening to this a transformational, world-shaking encounter with Jesus. Help us to be world changers and give us gifts and anointings that would serve you. I want to be in the trenches with the men and women who have the scars to prove what they overcame. I pray, Lord, for you to fill us and flow out to us. I pray that those listening to this will feel the tangible presence of the anointing. Jesus, send us where you will and strengthen us in our innermost being. Lord, protect us, watch over us, strengthen us for the sifting, and give us the spiritual gifts you want us to have. We thank you, Lord, for your hedge of protection. We reject this world. We reject the devil. We recommit our lives to you today. Help us to seek you first. Help us to be humble. I pray for a path of healing and for you to light our path. Lord, lead us to people in captivity. Help to make us soul winners. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. wow. Will you send us that? I love yeah, that. Yeah. Be dope. I have it typed out, so I'll send it to you. And then I also just really want to quickly, before we end, just say that if you are struggling with this, what has helped me is praying over my oils, anointing my home, 
praying over my property, anointing the four corners of my property. I pray Psalm 91 before bed. I sing praise and worship songs before bed. Just like Vicki talked about that spirit of praise before bedtime and doing that with my kids. And I also have Psalm 91 in each window in my home and under each bed. And it's really been helpful in my children's room. I play Psalm 91 by Shane and Shane on the iPad and it plays on repeat all, all night. And in my other child's room, since I can't play two songs at the same time, I don't have that music ability. Apparently, if I don't upgrade, I play the Bible. And all of these are tools. There's no cookie cutter approach to dealing with this, like we've kind of talked about. But those are some tools for people struggling that might listen and go, oh, it's great that you get these demons to leave, but why can't I? Those are just some other suggestions that might help you. And then everything else that we've discussed. Yeah, I love that. Man, I've got Psalm 91 and um, Ephesians, is it Ephesians 6, like the full armor of God? Yeah. Um, I've got those. It's really cool. Like on Etsy, you can just download like a digital print, um, like artists have done that, and then you can just print it like on your own paper. And and I've done that. It's pretty, pretty nifty if you want to have like cutesy scriptures up on your walls, although just handwriting works too. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect. I ended up typing out Doug Van Dord's translation. He would be proud. I um, met him at Franklin and he's so awesome. So I printed out his translation and that's what I have all over the house. I love that. Yeah. I'd love to meet him too. Well, Aaron, thank you so much again for coming on. This was fantastic. Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. It was super fun and I could really feel the Holy Spirit moving. So I just pray that this helps somebody. Let's break free of this bondage and become warriors for God. Awesome. All right, guys, we appreciate you listening. Check out camphermon.com if you want to get some merch, become a member, support the show. We, we love you. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me, guys. Peace.